The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind. When it is full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets. What is bad, they throw away. Thus it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Do you understand all these things? They answered, yes. And he replied, then every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. When Jesus finished these parables, he went away from there. The Gospel of the Lord. There's no need for anybody to raise their hand. This isn't confession, but is there anybody here who, on hearing that question of Jesus, do you understand all these things, might not have been so quick with the yes? Might maybe have said, uh, Lord, could we revisit some of that? I'm still not entirely clear. There are times when the Lord asks a question in the gospel, and every single time it is always a remarkable moment. Remarkable often not just for the question, but for the answer. Because our experience of things spiritual is that we don't understand them. And that even when the Lord says something that at first glance seems easily mastered and easily understood, the more we linger with it, we realize there's a mysterious depth about it which goes beyond our ability to easily master. And so it is good that we have these twinned readings before us today, the rightly famous oracle of the potter from the prophet Jeremiah, and the parable of the dragnet that Jesus gives to his disciples. And beginning there, beginning with the dragnet, the kingdom of heaven is like a net cast out into the sea. And the whole point of throwing the net into the sea is to catch something, to catch what is out there and to bring it in. And so as the Lord tells this, using this example of fishing with his disciples, he also is echoing out of the scriptures that wonderfully evocative language of the sea and all that is within it. The sea and all it contains. 
The sea with its vast, mysterious, moving swarms beyond counting, with its fish, with its hidden riches, with its mysteriousness. And the net catches all of it. All of the mysterious abundance of the sea comes through the net. And that mysterious abundance is ambiguous. There is that which is good and worth preserving and worth keeping. There is that which is life-sustaining, and there is that which is good for nothing, or possibly, in fact, dangerous, even poisonous to the health of the fishermen. And so after drawing in the bounty of the sea, one needs to separate that bounty. Holding on to what is clearly good and casting aside that which is of no good, of no value, that which is, in fact, not worth keeping or even dangerous. And as the Lord describes all of this using this very familiar language, he suddenly turns and gives it a note of dangerous ultimacy. Because then he says the world is like the sea, mysteriously abundant, abundant with life, with human life. There are the many generations who move through time a number beyond all counting. Men and women, children of every race, of every language, covering the globe. And there will come that moment where the great dragnet of God is cast out into that mysteriously abundant ocean. A casting that will extend through all time, a casting that will extend to all places. And the net will be hauled in. The net, however, will be the angels of the Lord. Hauling in the mysterious abundance of the earth. And the same thing will happen. And that's a sobering reality check. That at the end, there may well be those lives whose goodness is clear, who will be pulled and set aside for eternal joy in heaven. But there's also the disturbing possibility of a life that has not goodness within it. And it's at this point the friendly pastoral image of the parable becomes more than a little chilling. That those who have nothing of goodness within them will be cast away. Cast away and burned. And as the Lord says this, he doesn't do so merely to frighten or merely to threaten his disciples. But he is saying that what we do with the time that we have given us, what we do with the choices that we have the opportunity to make, has a great value, a value that redounds to eternity itself. 
and that there's an element of living that involves the forging, the producing, the manifesting of a certain quality of character. And the Lord, who is the source of life, expects life to unfold in the direction of goodness. And this is where now we turn to Jeremiah's visit to the pottery shop. And the potter is working at his wheel with the clay. And he shapes the vessel, the clay into vessels. And Jeremiah is there long enough to observe this happening several times. And he notices that there are times where the clay seems to flow naturally and easily in the fingers of the potter. And that clay seems curiously easy to work with. And on first try, the vessel that the potter is making is produced. It's well-formed. It's beautiful. It's sturdy. It's a finished product of real quality. And then there are those other lumps of clay. And for whatever reason, for whatever reason, the clay is less cooperative in the hand of the potter. And so the potter works it, and he works it, and he attempts to shape it, and the shape doesn't hold. Or as he works it, the result is a misshapen vessel. And at this point, at this point, something important happens. The potter doesn't take the misshapen final product and directly throw it away. He doesn't smash it and go on to something else. What Jeremiah sees is that the misshapen product is given another go. Note how wonderful that is. The potter doesn't get rid of it, but breaks it down and works it again. Works it again to a different but still good shape. Because the potter will keep working the clay until he achieves the result he desires. What a marvelous, marvelous image that is. The potter shaping the clay, and even the unresponsive, the uncooperative, the curiously difficult clay to work with, even that he doesn't set aside for something easier. Rather, he continues to work it, continues to work it, continues to shape it, until finally it is misshapen no more. And it, too, is well-made and good and a vessel of real quality. Because that's what the potter desires. The potter doesn't desire a shelf of misshapen vessels. The potter desires a shelf of well-made vessels, of beautiful vessels, of sturdy, quality vessels. Or he would be a pretty poor potter in the first place. And this lesson that the Lord shows the prophet on behalf of the people, and then involves the Lord saying, and if the potter is going to do that, 
with the lumps of clay with which he works, why would I not do that with you, O oh my people, individually and all together? And if we pause a moment, we recognize a deep and beautiful truth lurking behind all of this. So you have a pretty good memory, right? Okay, I'm going to ask you to think a little while back in the past, okay? And can we go back maybe to like a week or so before you were born? Do you remember that? You don't, okay. So let me, let me just see if I can unpack this, okay? Because I know that you're not a naturally forgetful person. When we were in that period just before you were born, did the Almighty come to you with a stack of papers and say, these are the applications of all of those who want to be your mom and dad? Why don't you read through them, check the references, and tell me who you would like? Did he do that? Did he come to you with a globe and say, Sue, give it a spin and put your finger on it to stop it, and where you do, that's the place you'll be born. He didn't do that either. Did he come to you with a whole bunch of color samples and say, pick your eye color and pick your hair color and pick your skin color from these options? Did he come to you with a stack of dictionaries? You know, Chichewa, English, Spanish, French, Tagalog, and say, why don't you flip through these and tell me what language you'd like to grow up speaking? He didn't. Did he give you a calendar and let you pick the day and the month of your birth? You didn't even get to choose that. You mean to tell me that all of these things were decided for you and you didn't get consulted? Wow. The Almighty is big on many things, but he's not big on consultation. But think about that for a second. Now consider the clay that is shaped by the potter. And consider just who we are. We come into the world on a day and a time we don't choose. We are born the sons and daughters of men and women we didn't choose. We didn't get to pick our culture. We didn't choose our hair color, our skin color, or the language we grew up speaking. We didn't choose the talents that we have. Those are given to us too. Before we come into this world, there is an element of us that has already been shaped. Note how remarkable that is. This beautiful truth that the Lord is communicating to us through the prophet, through this image of the potter and his clay. I need to respond to the way I have been made. Because my life has been given to me by someone else. And it has been given to me with a form and a direction 
and a goal by the one who is the source of all life. And if I really want to live this life well, I need to pause and get to know the one who gave it to me. Because only he can show me its dignity, its value, and its meaning. And I come into the world before I've made any act of faith on my own, belonging to him who made me. Set in this world with a life set in motion by him who gave me that life. I am the potter, O Israel. You indeed are the clay. And out of all of those things that he has given me, my life goes forward to take shape, to find expression. And for some of us, we live as resistant and indifferent clay. The clay that foolishly says, I can take shape on my own without any potter to help me. The clay that says, I will decide for myself what kind of pot I will be. The clay that says, I don't want to be a pot in the first place, and who are you to tell me? You know, our curiously independent hearts that like to fool themselves into believing they're more in control than they really are often will do that. And so the Lord, through his prophets, the Lord, through his word, the Lord, through his grace and his goodness and the sacraments, seeks to keep shaping that clay of our lives, molding it into an outcome that is good and beautiful and fitting and right and perfect for the individual clay vessel that he is working with. But sometimes we try to do it ourselves, or we try to change direction. And so now we go back to this image of the dragnet cast into the sea, because there's another and a very beautiful element about the dragnet, one that we see in the light of the oracle of the potter. The other sea, the other ocean, that is mysteriously and wondrously alive and abundant is the human heart. Your heart and my heart are like that ocean. And our hearts do have their moving swarms past counting of good and bad. And note that an element of growing spiritually, of growing morally, of living, involves casting the net, the net of prayer, into that heart and drawing its abundance up into the light. And in the light of grace, in the light of the word, in the light of our going and participating in the life of the church, we come to begin to recognize in our heart those good virtues, those healthy inclinations, those moments of grace and blessing that are worth holding on to, worth preserving, worth keeping. And if we're honest with ourselves, we will also recognize certain vices, certain unhealthy habits, certain attitudes 
that do us no good, that have no real value and yet are persistently present. And part of the movement of conversion is to recognize those things and to begin setting them aside, to begin casting them away and not carrying them with us. And note when we do that, what is happening? The potter is shaping the clay. The potter is shaping the clay. Hidden within that sobering warning of Jesus about the end of time is the beautiful reality about what happens in time. That the potter is always at work with his clay. The Lord is always interested in getting us to the right outcome. And it is important to allow grace to cast its net into our hearts. And not to be afraid of what grace pulls in, but to cooperate with it, to respond to it, to identify that goodness which is worth keeping, and to lay aside that which doesn't help us move forward. What a marvelous, what a marvelous idea this is. And how good it is that we can reflect on these things at mass. Because in just a couple minutes, in just a couple minutes, that great and eternal potter who made himself a clay vessel in the sacred humanity of Jesus, his son, formed and sculpted into the God-man, in the womb of the Holy Virgin Mary, she who likewise he prepared and sculpted and shaped for that moment. He will be here. And what will he do? He lays aside the glorious splendor of his divine majesty for the sake of appearing as a piece of bread and a cup of wine. Even the potter allows himself to be shaped. How marvelous. And then he comes forward, this priceless treasure of grace, salvation, and love the very person of Jesus himself. And he comes to the clay vessels that he has been working on, us. And we who are merely clay vessels come forward with all of our fragility in perhaps our misshapenness, but we come forward. And the potter is pleased to place himself within that clay vessel of your heart and my heart. Note how marvelous that is. And when the Lord speaks of shaping us, he is shaping us in no small measure as well for himself in the sense that he longs to abide within us, to dwell within us, and to be with us. And when you receive him today into the fragile clay of who you are, let him cast the net into your heart. And let him bring forth a real goodness for you that is worth holding on to. And while you're at it, 
Take your net and cast it into his heart. Cast your net into the heart of Christ and allow him to fill that net with those virtues and those graces and those moments of goodness that you most need. And what a glorious Holy Communion we would all share if we receive him in that way. Amen.